Again. Yeah. I'm seeing a huge you are live feedback pop up and now it's gone. That's wonderful. This is yeah. not something I'll get in Twitch, I think, or YouTube, you know, when I'm streaming. It's like li a nice little thing. There was like a little window and says you're live. Yeah, yeah. Webinar Geek. And you also have the red one thingy above, I guess, that says live now. No? Uh, yeah, now now it says live. Yeah, last yeah. week I was uh, shocked not seeing yeah. that I'm live, although I was live, but now, yeah. now it's all correct. Yeah, we were talking for half an hour already, I think, and then you realized that we might not even be live. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was scary. I like talking just half an hour and then... But, you know, sometimes uh, people also re-record podcasts and um, video cast and whatever and just to make it better so yeah, yeah maybe this will happen to us to us someday as well who knows yeah i'm quite sure i'm quite sure if, if we are a little bit more uh critical than than indeed what we are doing here is maybe more fun than then that it's really uh, super good and, and yeah uh, everything but uh i guess uh, this is what we do this is what we try we uh we are the curious coders and I'm curious about more than code, I guess. Curious also about doing this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you had a fun topic for today. I already announced uh, in my blog that I don't know anything about Elm and what, don't even know the translation, but then my curiosity kind of. Um, turned me over and I looked up what Elm means in English. I read your blog post because I was too curious. Uh, it was a really good, good introductory blog post, by the way. Sounds Thanks. like great introduction, I think. Uh, for a quick read, you know, in a couple of minutes, I got a good feeling about like how all this thing works. So that's, that's nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I didn't dare to come here completely unprepared maybe next time for the next topic <laughs> yeah I, I think uh, it can be good to be a little bit prepared maybe you can ask even better questions or but yeah let's see how it goes uh, i mean as if i am so prepared i i watched a video about functional programming because i think it's an interesting subject and a few weeks ago and and the title of the talk was it was a talk um how to do like Practical functional programming, so not like the uh, like people like evangelizing the functional programming as something that's the best and the greatest. Mm. Just someone who said, "Yeah, so this is how you do it for real," but also proving kind of that it really works. And he, he I think I'm not sure. I think it was Richard Feldman, but um, he was he was showing that it really works by showing L, and that's how I got interested in um, this uh, not only because it's functional programming uh, related but also because it's uh, a way to create web applications I, and i consider myself to be a web developer primarily i think yeah so then, then i think okay so i can do like functional programming and build web applications with it uh, and that, that sounded like uh, something that's pretty close so it's something that i could probably learn pretty quickly i didn't need to learn a new platform or something but still, the language and, and everything that it promises is quite different from what I'm doing. So that was kind of what triggered me to, to look into it. But I 
last last week in our first Curious Coders episode, we announced that the next one would be about Elm. So I only started really doing something with Elm like last weekend, I think. So to yeah. me, it's also pretty new. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. This was actually one thing I was missing from from your blog post. Like, what really triggered you? You know, you wrote yeah. like, yeah, I was curious and stuff, but then. What really triggered you? And now you say that was uh, this one video where the guy was showing like how to do practical uh, functional programming. And then you thought, yeah. oh, that looks nice. I'll try it out myself. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it felt like, like I said, like a, something that pretty close to what I'm doing now. So it would look like a, a, a not too hard next step into something like functional programming. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nice. yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's and, and cool. What I also want to say is that, that apart from Elm, what I did this week is also uh, so I started learning it, so I started building things with it, I guess, and reading about it, but I also uh, started blogging, blogging about it. So I think what I'm doing here now is in this episode is tell everything I know about Elm, yeah, everything I know, I guess that's not all, but. At least I think it's enough for people who don't know what it is that they have like an idea what it, what it is. But by blogging uh, about it, I could also uh, like you know how to say it. You like if you if you learn something and you want to really want to remember it, really want to understand it, you really want to grasp it. I think then blogging, but also this episode, I guess, telling about it is a lot of ways to really well, solidify I think into your brain and into your understanding of what something is. So I guess um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Yeah, I think. I mean, I could have waited for a year and then said, "Okay, now I'm doing Elm for a year. Now I'm pretty, pretty advanced and I'm an expert and everything. And now I can write a blog or, or do whatever." Yeah. What I now try to do is just start telling about it, start writing about it right away, and yeah. uh, hopefully, I don't say too much, too many things that are not true. Uh, but <laughs> at least, yeah, what I, what I, what I know, I can, I can already. And I can also learn a lot from it. Yeah. So, yeah. so, did you have like a reader, ideal reader, reader in mind when you when you wrote the blog post about um, the introductory blog post, where you kind of walk through the basics of Elm? Did you have like a person in mind, or people, a group of people, or how do you do this? Yeah. It, my my first blog post was about the language mainly about how do you create variables, how do you create functions, like like the, the main things you do. Yeah. And so if you if you don't have have any programming knowledge or experience, then I don't think it doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you're a programmer in general, then you can I think with reading this you can say, okay, I know in my programming language how to create a function, or I know how how variables work and how arguments in a function work and etc. And then I, you can then translate that what you know into how it's being done in Elm, and uh, mm. I think that 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 that's nice. Just for programmers, I think who don't know Elm, who don't know maybe even functional programming, but know any other language, and then they can recognize things, I guess. Yeah. So curious coders who don't yeah. know about Elm yet. Yeah, exactly. That's nice. a, that, that's the that's a good description of the target audience indeed. Yeah. So do you feel ready to rewrite our beautiful website as we wrote in the in the last episode in Elm or is it too early? Yeah, that, 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 
yeah, yeah, we, I, could, I could definitely do that, I think. Um, but I think with um, technologies in, the, in, in general, I think it's, I mean, we can do it, but uh, the question is also, is it like, really useful? And I think if you have a specific technology, uh, then you, you should, I think you should ask about, yeah, but this technology, where is it suitable for and what can I build with it? And then a static website is not, I mean, it's just an HTML page and it's, that it's an HTML page is just fine. Yeah. Uh, so maybe then the question is, yeah, but what, when would you, when should you use Elm, for example? And yeah, but that's, that's... yeah, I think that's um, because it's for building web applications, so it's a client side, client sided thing, just like React, Angular, Vue, Svelte. Only these are in JavaScript, TypeScript, and Elm is a programming language. Mm. But it's also um, uh, it's also a framework. It's it's uh, it has everything in 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 built in. So package management and uh, all the other things. So it's just one uh, one solution uh, yeah, for front end. But then you, the front end normally you would build it in JavaScript. That's, that's like the most famous language I think for building front ends. And now this is like a, just another lang- uh, programming language. But the funny thing is, uh, because you build web applications with it, it has to be something that is uh, can be uh, yeah can be What's it called? Like uh, that a browser can understand it to, to show you the web application. I guess that's how, how the web works. Right? You need HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. So what yeah. Elm does is it just compiles to JavaScript. So you're programming in this language, functional language, and then when you compile your your code, then it, it results in just a piece of JavaScript which you can just then open in the in the, in the browser. You can you can put it on a on a CDN or just so the end result. The output is something we already know. So that's also interesting, I think. Uh, so you don't have to learn new platforms. You don't have to learn new things uh, before you can even host it, before you can even publish it somewhere. So that's also pretty interesting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So how does it work? You said like there is an, um, package management built in. So wh- where exactly is it built in? And how would I deploy something like an Elm app? Yeah, um, I'm not sure exactly how package management works. Um, I mean, I think because I, I'm quite sure everyone can build uh, packages. Um, so when you have an Elm file, so it's blah, 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 dot Elm, then that's a piece of Elm code and that, that can be a package. So I think you can kind of publish it somewhere so that other people can maybe install it, just, just like kind of like with JavaScript, I think. Um, but then if you then would build like your own app, your, your web application uh, to, to run the code, even when while developing, you need to compile it first. And, uh, and you also have this thing called create Elm app, which as the name kind of implies is uh, comparable to create React app where you, you are coding and you save it and it will be compiled right away and the browser will refresh and you will see your your result of what you built. So you have a pretty uh, fast development experience. Um, but um, if uh, if you made a mistake in the own code, then it will compile. And of course, it will not be updated. And yeah, so, so, so probably if I want to deploy to uh, with like GitHub Actions, I th- there would be like, I push to GitHub and there is 
a maybe a CI step that runs tests. I don't know if Elm has a test listing library, yep. probably it has. And then it compiles, and then there is like a compile artifact, and this is yep. then sent to the yeah, to the server. To... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's it like the end result of your app uh, after compile is is just the same as as a as a React app or whatever JavaScript app. It's just a like a JavaScript bundle thingy that's uh, pretty small and compact. So. I think that, I does, a lot about. Uh, sorry. Does it also compile to something else or only to JavaScript? Yeah, only to JavaScript. Yeah. I think, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, think, I think that's the. Um, so, I, what, what I was thinking, or what, what I was realizing is that while building, you're building in, an, in another programming language, a new, a new programming language, if you're only used to, for example, JavaScript, but the end result is the same. So, it's, it's a lot about developer experience, I think. It's a lot about. Uh, being able to build code in in a, in a way, and I can tell a bit more about it later. But building code in a way that's really different and and, and cool and interesting. But then, yeah, as I said, the end result is something we all know. So it's a lot about the the developer side of things, I guess, resulting mm -hmm. in, of course, a better uh, the ideas also better apps, I guess, better software that's. Uh, safer. Uh, yeah. That has less bugs because of a few things that exist in JavaScript or in many other programming languages do not exist in Elm. So they solve a lot of well, problems or, or uh, challenges we have by just not having them, by not so like the eliminating the problem instead of yeah. solving it. I think that's kind of what they do. Yeah, yeah, I think you will tell us a little bit about it in a bit in our practical part. But yeah. I just wanted to circle back to the thing that you said. You said well, there is, there are good use cases for Elm. Do you know maybe what kind of, or are there like a certain kind of web applications that would be good for Elm or for like functional programming in general, or is basically any, any, I don't know, interactive application a good fit or are there specific, um, uh, applications that would be a better fit, like I don't know, math, <laughs> for example, a math application. Maybe it's better for functional programming, or a game. Maybe a game wouldn't be possible with um at all, or it would be perfect for Elm. I don't know. Do you have like something about this? Uh, yeah, some knowledge about this. Yeah, so you can you can build any app. Or any web app with, uh, with Elm, but you would also build with a React or a Vue or whatever in general. So it's not really specific for a specific solution. Uh, but what I don't know yet is because when I when I build apps um, in my in my free time, when I build like hobby projects, then they are mostly like games or like interactive things. So not not I don't like building like CRUD applications. I don't also don't really like building websites. They are to me they are a bit boring. So I would like to build something gamey kind of things. Mm. And I don't know yet, um, for example, how Elm supports WebSockets or any other real time super interactive uh, technologies. Uh, mm. So and I think I think they, I think it's very well possible because if that's possible then you can build anything with it, what you also build with all the other existing from them technologies. Webinar Geek, uh, for example. Yeah. 
So yeah, and because uh, and then the reason to use Elm instead of those then would be that uh, because Elm is a functional programming language, and uh, the difference with JavaScript is JavaScript is a programming language. You can you can do functional programming, you can do object-oriented programming, you can do procedural programming, you can do whatever style you like, spaghetti style, whatever, or or you can mix and mingle them all. But with Elm is a so in, in JavaScript, you program in a functional style. So it's it's kind of, as a developer, you intend to do it functional, but if you cannot do that, or you or your team members cannot do it, and or your, the library you use cannot do it, then okay, well, then we do some other style. But with Elm, Elm is a functional language, so you cannot do anything else than functional programming. If, if you don't do functional programming right, according to Elm, but also according to how these functional program languages work in general, then it won't compile. So the compilation step is a really like strict way of saying your code just sucks. And with Elm, you will not build code that sucks. You will build code that's just super uh, solid. And um, the result is then that uh, if you build an app, that, that app is also super solid. It, it will not have like uh, unexpected undefines and nils or exceptions because like I said, they don't exist in Elm. It's not possible to throw an exception you, if you do something and you know, okay, I, will, I could get some data from this thing, but I also could get something else, then you have to then you have to build in your code the, the fact that you handle both of them. So when I get data back, okay, I show it to the user, then something goes wrong, I get a message saying, oh, it went wrong, and then you have to show, well, maybe like an info box saying, okay, sorry, user, it went wrong. But it's never possible that your app just crashes or something. It's just not, it doesn't exist. And hmm. Yeah, that's one of the um, one of the reasons why I think uh, people say it's super um, uh, stress stress free and, and, and less worrying to program in a, in a language such as Elm because many things that we have to uh, fix and, and deal with with, for example, JavaScript, they don't exist. So yeah, you can just focus on your functionality what you need to build. So yeah, yeah. and uh, that that that's really that's really interesting. I think that's. Um, Interesting, mainly. Uh, like I said, I'm not sure how it would web sockets and how um, how it would be to build a real app with this because I just started. But I can imagine that that, that uh, after a while, if you working with this, that you kind of discover or kind of realize or kind of experience these things for yourself, and then you say, oh yeah, yeah, now I now I now I see what they are talking about in all the tech talks, and now I have experienced it myself. But until then, it's just for me, it's still like just. Experiencing it, I guess, experimenting. Yeah. yeah, I hear quite a bit, or I heard quite a bit in, in the past years, people raving about uh, functional programming language, be it like Haskell yeah. uh, or Camel, I think. Yeah, yeah, or Camel is also a, I think it's like a standard or something. So, for example, F Sharp is based on it, I guess. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah. So, they... And I think this is a frequent argument that this makes their apps very stable. But I also have never heard that there is um, there's no exceptions. This is like something that's really hard to to imagine. Like, yeah. how can you have? I've never heard about like a programming language not having no exceptions or errors. Yeah, and. I'm wondering if other uh, languages like Haskell or Camel, if they also have this kind of 
a thing or if it, if it's just yeah, possible you know so. yeah really yeah i think that's the like a, a characteristic of a functional language i think that's one of the things that oh. i guess so that they all have this yeah interesting yeah interesting i also yeah, heard yeah. like there was such a great metaphor at the conference about there, there was a guy and he was like a haskell guy and i, I watched his talk um and he talked about how um object oriented languages are actually not object oriented languages and functional languages are actually more um object oriented in the sense of the world you know but I don't remember his metaphor exactly, unfortunately. Maybe next yeah. time I'll bring it up. But yeah, yeah it yeah. sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for example, I did a lot of C sharp uh, in last years, and uh, in C sharp, if you, I think it's also in Java that if you want to build some code, you you just have to first have to you have to create a class, and then within that class you can build something, and then you have to instantiate an object, or you can make it static and but it's all like classes. It's all so there is this. You know, I, can, I think you're forced to to build to to make classes, but that doesn't mean you are programming object oriented. That, that's that's something different. I, I remember that I I did C sharp for I think like twelve, thirteen years or something, hmm. and like only two years ago I uh, was working in a team and I someone reviewed my code and they said yeah yeah that's that's really nice, but it's not it's not really object oriented. And then it was really for me okay so. I'm doing this for so long, and I, I, I think I find, kind of know my design patterns and everything. But and he explained to me, not, I'm not exactly sure what his explanation was, but it, that it, this was not like really object oriented. So, so that's why my point is in C sharp, you you have to make classes. That's how you work, and then you know some design patterns. But other than that, it's you can do what still you can do whatever. I think, mm. and that's something that's in in for example Elm, as far as I've seen now, and as far as I know, is not possible. It's just. Yeah. One way of doing it. Perfect. Yeah, I guess also object orientedness is is a subjective matter. Yeah. Um, I've recently read a book by David Copeland about sustainable web development in Rails, and he ha he mentions a couple of times in his book, uh, like I, with a bit of irony, like, and then you could do it in object oriented way in parentheses, whatever that means. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess there is like this, yeah, even very experienced programmers um, came to realize that, yeah, what is it actually? Right? Yeah. Object-oriented thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, an example of how Elm, for example, uh, does this, because when you say functional programming, you say, yeah, you have to create pure functions, so no side effects. And uh, a function, and, and, and to make a function have no side effects, or to have a function not being able to reach things outside of the function, uh, you need to send in one or more arguments because otherwise the function doesn't receive anything, doesn't have anything to, to work with. And the function should return something because that's the only way then how, the, how that function uh, yeah, can do something, but it doesn't really do something because doing things means yeah, uh, changing things or. or or initiating something, but the function only receives something and returns something. And if you have all these functions doing that, then you can like uh, have them combine and compose together, and that's how then your application uh, works. So 
that, that's an example of in Elm that, that if you create a function, yeah, you, it needs needs to have an argument. If it doesn't have an argument, then it's just a value, just something that's never never changes, I guess. And, mm. and a function changes things and will return a uh, new value. So it, it's also immutable. You cannot change something. Uh, it just always really returns something new. And it's also something that the language not only forces through the compiler, but also is something that's just not possible as a as a syntax in the language. It just doesn't. This just doesn't. Is a. It just isn't possible. And um, yeah. And and but also things like I don't know. You know what currying and and um, and partial application is. But currying is that if your no, function no. has more than one argument, you can yeah. call that function with just one argument, and then later you can call the 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 well, let me say it differently. So if a function has more than one argument, yeah. you can, uh, currying means that you make the uh, function uh, like ready for being called with not all of the arguments, just a few. And then that, if you do that, then you, you get a new function in return. And with that function, you can call again and you can like pass in the remaining arguments. Mm. So that's what something that Elm just does uh, out of the box. So if you create a function, say add a plus b, then and you only add a, then it will return a function, and that function you can pass in b, and then that way you can also compose things. And this is something you can also do with the JavaScript. You can just build your own query function, and you can you can all do all these things. But it's something you have to do yourself, I guess. And mm -hmm. with, with Elm, it's just yeah, that's just what you get. It's the the, the language does it for you. So yeah, yeah, got it. And the partial application. Thing. I think you also mentioned it in your blog post, and I kind of think I kind of skimmed yeah. over it. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so currying means that, that your function uh, has more than one argument and is suitable for calling with not all the arguments. And if you do that, then uh, the, what you're doing then is partial application. So, for example, you have an yeah. add function with two values, and you only call it with one, and you get a, a new function in return, and that is a partially applied function. To the to the real function that has all the arguments and that partially applied function you can then call again with the remaining arguments and I, I maybe I can show it later in the second part of this uh, thingy uh, by the way we're almost talking for half an hour but um, uh, maybe show it in the code but uh, that, that's how it works so it's, it's a combination of making a function suitable ready for it and applying it which is in the partial application part I guess yeah. got it yeah. It would be great to to have an example of this um, in in a minute. But before that, I have one last question for you. Yeah. Uh, maybe while you were researching about the whole thing, have you ran over any apps in the real world that are uh, that are built with Elm uh, that are known to people or? Yeah. No, I, I seen somewhere. I'm not sure where it's in the in the talk or on the website that some companies, like big companies, use it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know like actual apps. And but I also indeed indeed wonder how how big this is because it sounds and feels a little bit like uh, what's it called. Uh, I mean, this is something that exists for like uh, eight years or something. I don't know. Mm. It's pretty, pretty serious. I mean that, but I don't know how big it is, how many developers are there, how many companies really use it. 
Uh, but but if you look at what it uh, promises you and what it offers for building apps, then it sounds pretty pretty solid. So yeah, but I, no, I don't really have an idea how big how how used this really is actually. Yeah, but that's like one technology out there that does something like that, like a functional programming language that compiles to JS. Or is there other similar ones? Do you know. Yeah. Quite sure there are other ones. I don't know. I'm not sure, but um, okay. there must be. Yeah, I mean, if there is brain fuck uh, language, then <laughs> there must be. Yeah, exactly. Be yeah. Also yeah. So yeah, yeah. But it, it can be interesting. For example, when I started with React, I also looked at Angular and Vue, and then I, I liked React most, so I, I chose React. But I can imagine that if you say, okay, I want to build a web application with a with a functional language. Uh, and that's like my goal, and and the, the goal is not necessarily Elm. Then you could also look into okay, you have Elm and what other competitors we do have, and then you, you can for yourself can kind of compare what do you like most. So maybe I, yeah, like maybe I, I could do this as well, just just out of curiosity. But uh, yeah, I guess just like with React now with Elm, if if I like something, if I get really like enthusiastic about it pretty quickly, then. It's kind of a feeling for me that it, this is just fine, and and like I said, it's, it's for a hobby. It's not like something uh, I use professionally yet. So you never know, of course. I mean, that happened with React as well. That I started with React in my my free time, and now I'm working with it daily. So so yeah, you never know what happens. But uh, yeah, right. it can be interesting to just just learn another language every now and then. Uh, also, because that's what I was talking about today with a with a colleague that. Things I learn in Elm or things I see that Elm does, I can apply that in JavaScript as well. So, for example, I, I maybe I have learned better what functional programming is, and then in, in JavaScript I could apply that as well. So, uh, even though if you're not you well, if you, even though you're not using it perhaps professionally, you can still learn a lot from it that you can use professionally in the language things that you do use professionally. So, yeah, can be interesting. Yeah, yeah, especially for me, for example, when I see this functional code, um, even that little bit from your blog post that already gave me a really good feeling about what uh, functional programming is about. And that's like a paradigm that's very interesting to look into and to widen your horizon with, even if you do it in baby steps and then... Um, Still, I think, uh, great yeah. to have it in your repertoire of yes. knowledge. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I don't have any questions anymore. Um, so we plan to do this, um, our webcasts, a little bit podcastable. So the first part is um, for listening. And the second part, if this will be a podcast, then the second part will be probably cut off. Um, and we will look at some code, maybe code something as we'll do now. So basically, at some point, we'll need to say goodbye to our podcast listeners. And um, yeah, we, we can always at this point mention that, for example, next week we'll do a... A webcast about or podcastable webcast about uh, Hotwire, uh, Rails Hotwire. This is on the menu next week. So basically what we've done today, but the other way around where I 
um, share something that I learned uh, recently. Um, and maybe we can do these transitions more smoothly in the future, but uh, yeah, I guess we need just to talk about it uh, a couple of times and then next time we'll just say over podcasters yeah. away uh, now only the view only people yeah. okay yeah. Uh, then uh, whatever you want to share uh, Bauer, you can show us now or hide yeah. it forever <laughs> and Yep. I will, I will share my uh, screen. Yeah, so 